Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. In part two of this sermon series, Pastor Quintana shows us the amazing capacity God has for forgiveness, and that you don't have to get it right before He will accept you. Growing up, my dad would often say, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And uh, today's message um, is kind of one of those subjects that, man, this is way, this is too good to be true, you know? But by all biblical accounts, I just cannot prove it any other way. I can't prove it wrong. I mean, this is what the Bible teaches. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, it is good. It is good news. And I am so excited to share it with you here today. And I'm going to kind of start off the message by sharing with you a true story. Um, Some of you, um, by show of hands, I want to know how many of you know the story of Desmond Doss. Desmond T. Doss. How many of you, by show of hands, have uh, or at one time met Desmond Doss? All right, several of you. I had the, the, the honor, the privilege of meeting him once at a camporee, um, Pathfinder camporee um, at the Southern Union. And uh, what an incredible man, even, even late in, in his life. I mean, just always true to what he believed. And he, he showed so much love uh, for children and for people. And for those of you that don't know the story of Desmond Doss, it is an incredible story of of a hero, an American hero, a man who wanted to serve country and God. He was the first non-combatant soldier to win the Congressional, or to be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is the highest honor that uh, this country bestows on any individual. And he just believed that, that it wasn't right to bear arms for him personally. That was his conviction. And so he, he carried no arms, but yet he wanted to serve country. And so he joined the military. And the ridicule and, and the, the torture, really, that he went through with his own company and, and with those overseeing um, his progression through the military, um, the, the fun, they, they, would, they disenfranchised him. They, they marginalized him constantly making fun of him uh, because he wouldn't carry arms or because he wanted the Sabbath off and made, he was made fun of quite a bit. But he stood true to his conviction. And so they put him in um, the medics. He, he became a medic. And, uh, you know, you, there's a, a documentary out there um, on his life. And I, I would love to show that sometime here for the church, maybe on a Saturday night. Does that sound like a good idea? Would you guys like to see that? It's really, really well done. It's, it's really well put together. But, but in this documentary, um, they, were, they, they interviewed some of his comrades. And they said how um, they, they would tease him. And they would say, Doss, there's no way I would want to go into war with you. I mean, why would I want to go into war with someone who isn't carrying a gun? I mean, that's ridiculous. And... Uh, he just uh, stood true to his conviction and, and, and went through quite a bit, but he made it through and uh, he got uh, to go to war, 
with his company and he landed on an island in Japan where there the fight was intense, intense fighting. And uh, pretty soon, quickly, everyone around him started to realize what an incredible man Desmond Doss really was. Because in the face of danger, Desmond Doss would go. And whenever there was a cry for a medic, 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 Desmond Doss would be there, ready to fix, ready to heal, ready to pull out anyone that was in danger. And uh, Desmond Doss uh, retells the story how, how it was so intense that the bullets sounded like bees flying around his head as they whizzed by. But that didn't stop him. He had a call. He had a duty. And he was going to carry that out not only for God but for his country. The one story about his experience over there that kind of set him over the top, kind of set him apart from all the rest, was that there was this ridge that they were trying to overtake. And, and, and the American forces were having a hard time overtaking this ridge. And every time they would make an advance on this ridge, the Japanese would then force them back off the ridge and they would have to retreat back down the cliff. And then the next day, they would try to overtake this ridge again. And they, 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 they experienced tremendous losses trying to overtake this ridge. But on this one particular day, just like days before, um, they were up there. They were charging. But just like in previous times, the Japanese forces forced them back off the ridge. And so the call went out, retreat, retreat, retreat. And everyone was coming off of the mountain. Everyone was coming off of the ridge except... Desmond Doss. And in a period of 12 hours, Desmond Doss went from soldier to soldier that had been caught up on the ridge, bringing these soldiers back off the ridge. And he would go and he would find a soldier and he would attend to them quickly. He would then grab them by the collar and he would drag them to the edge of the cliff to the edge of the ridge where he would then tie a rope around them and he would lower the soldier down. And even though his commander was saying, Desmond, get off the ridge, retreat. It's time to come, get down from there. He said, no, I have a duty to do. I have a responsibility. And so he would go back. And he did this not once, not twice, not three times. In the span of 12 hours, He saved 75 men. 75 men he brought to the edge of that ridge and lowered them down. The one thing that stood out to me when he was retelling this story was that he said, every time I turned to go back for another soldier, every time I turned to go back for a wounded soldier, I said a simple prayer and his prayer was this God just one more soldier and he would go he would go and uh, like, like I said he tells a story he says that the bullets sounded like bees buzzing around his head they, they interviewed some uh, Japanese soldiers after, after the war. And uh, there's an account where this Japanese soldier said, every time I had my sights on Desmond Doss and I would pull the trigger, my gun would jam. Every time he would come out into the open, 
and he was right in my sights and I was ready to shoot, my gun would jam. And 75 soldiers later, Desmond Doss came off the ridge after having saved 75. But every time before going back, he would say, God, just one more. Now you may think, that's crazy. Desmond, you're out of your mind. I mean, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I can see maybe asking that of God once or twice, but three times? Come on, Desmond. Ha, ha, uh, ten times? Fifteen times? You're losing face here. You're, you're asking God, one more soldier. Just one more time. Uh, how about the 50th time? How about the 60th time? Just one more time. What I want you to remember as you walk out of here today is as long as you ask, God will give. As long as you keep on asking, God will keep on giving. As you know, we're right in the middle of a sermon series on salvation. And last week we talked about the ABCs of salvation. And the reason why we're, we're doing this sermon series is because I want everyone here to have the assurance, to have the joy of salvation. No doubt, I have no doubt that if God was to come today, I would be saved. I want everyone to have that assurance. And last week we went through the ABCs of salvation. A, do you remember what it was? A, we have to acknowledge that we have a need. Do you remember that? We have to acknowledge the need of a Savior. B, do you remember? Believe. We need to believe in Jesus Christ that he is that Savior for us, that he can be that Lord and Savior in our lives. And C, do you remember C? Call to action after we acknowledge that we need a Savior, after we believe that Jesus is that Savior, he will have a call to action and we have to step out in faith and, and follow through with that call to action. Well, today we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And I'd like to kind of put a framework um, to, this, to this message on forgiveness. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to go through several texts today. So I hope you brought your Bibles. If you don't, you can probably find one right there in front of you. Isaiah chapter 59. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 says this. Behold... The Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Here we have a picture of a God who says, listen, it doesn't matter in what situation you're in. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, I can save you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far away you've drifted. It doesn't matter how much sin you have in your life. My arm is not short. In other words, my arm is long enough to reach you wherever you are. Listen, my ear is not heavy. I have, I have clear hearing, he says. And it doesn't matter how faint your cry may be, I 
can hear it. And he says, wherever you are, I can save. I can save you. In fact, this is the way the psalmist puts it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. We have an amazing picture of a God who says, it doesn't matter where you are in life, I can save you. It doesn't matter what you've done, I can save you. As long as you ask, I will give. And the more you ask, the more I'll give. This is why Paul, when he realized his sinfulness, when he realized how wretched of a sinner he was, remember he said, I am the chief of all sinners. Remember, and, and when, when he realized the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, he said, listen, where sin abounds, sin, I mean, grace abounds that much more. The, the sin might be great, but guess what? The sin will never be bigger than God's grace. Too good to be true? Man, this is amazing what God is telling us here. He says, it doesn't matter how big your sin is. My grace will always be bigger. My hand is not shortened that I cannot save. My ear is not heavy that I cannot hear. No, 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 no. I can save. I have the power. I am able. I am willing to save. I would like for you to turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, right before the book of Job. We have Esther and then Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9. Listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. They refused to obey. And they were not mindful of your wonders that you did not, that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Here you have the people of Israel who have turned their backs completely on God. They, they, they're stiff-necked people. They have completely abandoned God. And they said, you know, God, we don't need you. In fact, we're going to do things our own way. And, and, and the Bible says that they didn't even remember the wonderful things that God had done for them. Completely had turned their backs. And the Bible says, but... But you are God ready to what? Ready to what? Pardon, save, ready to forgive. Thank you, Riley. Someone's listening. Ready to pardon. They had turned their backs. But God says, listen, I'm ready to save. I'm ready to pardon. I'm ready to forgive. 
Now listen, I've been in some cars that when you turn them on, man, they're ready to go. You know what cars I'm talking about. You know, you, you turn on the engine. You turn that car on and that engine is just, you know, just red. You're sitting at a red light and you have the brakes on. You know what I'm talking about? And it's ready to go. Unlike my car. My car isn't ready to go anywhere. I mean, sometimes I find myself, I, I love my car and I went 170,000 miles on my little Jetta and it gets me from point A to point B. I love my little car, okay? But sometimes I find myself talking to the car and, and saying, all right now, we're running out of emerging area here. Come on, get going. My car isn't ready to go as some other cars are. I've ridden horses that are ready to go. Right? You're on them and man, they're just chomping at the bit to just let me go, man. I want to run. And I've been on some other horses. Man, (laughs) come on. You know, you're trying hard. Come on, move, come on. And they see a little patch of grass and that's where they want to go. They're not ready to go anywhere. Listen, God isn't up there sitting on his hands. He's not just moping around. No. We serve a God who is ready, who is ready at at any moment's notice to save, to forgive, to pardon. That is the God that we serve. We serve a God who is ready to pardon. Now, pardon what? Pardon what or, or what kinds of sin, right? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms, Psalms chapter 103. Now, as you're turning there to Psalms 103, which was our our call to worship this morning, I want you to notice that I am purposefully staying in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, excuse me, purposefully staying in the Old Testament. Because sometimes we get this bad impression about the Old Testament, right? That there's no grace in the Old Testament, you know, that the Old Testament is, is, is back then. And, and if you want to experience grace, well, then you have to go to the, the New Testament. That is why I am purposefully staying in the Old Testament. Because the God of yesterday is the same God of today. It's the same God of tomorrow. He's a God of grace today. Guess what? He was a God of grace back then. Psalms 103 verse 1 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives some of your sins? Who heals only a few of your diseases? Is that what it says? No. No. Let me read that again. Who forgives all, all, all of your sins. Who heals all of your iniquities. Folks, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that you have ever done in your life that God cannot forgive you for. There is nothing in your life right now that God cannot forgive you for. Sometimes we get caught in this, this mindset that, oh, this is too big. Or that there's no way that God can take me back after that. Or, or, man, I've been struggling with this for 10, 15 years. God's tired of it. There's no way. Listen, put that nonsense thought aside. 
for one second and read what the Bible says. That he will forgive all your iniquities. Now this does bring up to to some of our minds the unpardonable sin. Well, preacher, how about that one unpardonable sin? Yeah? Has that ever crossed your mind? What is, I've had people come into my office asking, pastor, I need you to just lay it out on the line. What is the unpardonable sin? Because I need to make sure that I'm not committing it. What is the unpardonable sin? Right? Well, the best way that I can put it together and the best way that scholars have been able to put this together, because this is one thing that that is debated and, and talked about in circles and it just goes on and on and on, but this is the best way to explain it, okay? That the unpardonable sin is the sin that isn't confessed. Let me say that again. The unpardonable sin is the sin that isn't confessed. In other words, the the sin that you refuse to give up is the sin that's unpardonable. In other words, if if you don't say to God, God, please forgive me for this, then he can't forgive it. We know through scripture that it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. And as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and convicting us of sin, he also gives us the power to overcome that sin. And that's why the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't keep the Holy Spirit afar off. Don't push him out. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of a sin and if he's placing that conviction in your heart and he's giving you the strength to overcome it, don't ignore it. But take hold of it. And, and maybe you may not want to give it up, but, but say, God, you know best for my life. This is, this is what I need. This is what's going to make me whole. This is what's going to make me happy. I, I welcome the conviction. I welcome the strength to overcome it. The unpardonable sin is simply, is simply this. The sin that you are unwilling to get rid of. The sin that you are unwilling to let go of. But make no mistake about it, that God is ready. He is able, and and most beautifully, he is willing to forgive, to forgive you. As soon as you want to give that up, as soon as you just want to say, God, I am sorry, please forgive me, change me, you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you shall be forgiven. And, and that sin will not be held, will not be held to your condemnation. No. That sin has now been paid for. Now you might ask, well, how about all the sins that, that I don't even know about? All the sins that I'm not even aware of, that I can't confess. Listen, that is where the amazing grace of Jesus Christ comes in. Because in, in this walk with God, you have this intimate relationship with God, yes. And as you walk with God in this intimate relationship, because, and you've heard me say this before, not only does God want to save you from the mess that you're in, but he wants to save you from the mess that you've become. And so in this intimate relationship with him, as you're walking, of course, he's going to want to save you and bring you into that person that he wants for you to be. And so through the power of the Holy Holy Spirit, he convicts you of the things that need to be changed. But guess what? It's in his hands. 
It's his timing. He works in, in his ways. He will convict you when the time is right. And, and he will work. And, and to, to the rest, he says, listen, your life is in my hands now. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. In other words, when, when Christ purchased you, he didn't just purchase the good. No. He purchased all of it. He purchased the good, the bad, and the ugly. He purchased the good in your life. He purchased the sin in your life. He purchased everything. So he now makes himself responsible for your life. And so as you continue this intimate walk with him, he will convict you of certain sins in your life so that you can work on those sins. And you know what? (laughs) The amazing thing about God, he never gives you more than, than, than you can handle. Never gives you more than you can handle. You know how some people, they bite off more than they can chew, right? I remember when I was a little kid, I had, I had this, this weird like tendency of whenever I got a pack of gum, you know, it, it, there was no saving the gum for tomorrow. You know, there was no such thing as, you know, if I save this piece, I'll have it next week. No, no, I would, I would go behind the couch when no one was looking and I would unwrap one stick of gum and put it in my mouth. And immediately I would unwrap another and stick it in my mouth. And I would unwrap another and stick it in my mouth. By the time I came out from behind the couch, I was like this. <laughs> Slobbering. <laughs> Saliva coming down my cheeks. I had bitten off way more than I can chew. God's not like that. God will work with you little by little, step by step. And he will convict you of the sins in your life that you need to work on. And and to those sins that come to mind, take hold of those, conquer those, overcome those with the power of the Holy Spirit, ready for the next step. It's the amazing story. It's the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. God is ready to forgive. And God is ready to forgive all of your sins. What does he do with those sins? Where do they go? What happens to them, huh? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles um, here to um, the book of, so this is why I don't like notes. I get, I get lost on my notes. Well, first of all, let's finish reading um, um, Psalms 103. Um, they're starting with verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All right, now I want you to go to the book of Micah. Micah. Here again, Old Testament, minor prophets of all places. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity or forgiving sin and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Picture that for one second. He what delights in mercy. He takes pleasure in it. It's something that he's anxious to do. 
He wants to do it. You know, it's kind of like he, he enjoys it so much that he's just waiting. He's ready. Come to me. I want to show you mercy. Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and he will subdue or take control. Subdue, he will control it and he will take it to the ground. He will conquer it. He will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. That's what he will do with our sins. He will cast them into the depth of the sea. The Bible also says that he will remember them no more. Now, that's kind of hard for us to kind of comprehend sometimes, right? Because, you know, did it to me once, shame on you. Did it to me twice, shame on me, right? You know, I'll I'll, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget this one, right? And and this is one of those things that we can sometimes kind of try and trick God. You know how we we ask that question like, uh, you know, like, well, can't God do everything? Can't God do, you know, whatever he wants? You know, if he wants to remember, well, then he'll be able to remember it, right? But, but the Bible tells us that somehow, some way, God has the ability to forget. But sometimes we, you know, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick up? You've heard that one before, you know? Well, let me just tell you that God can't do everything, all right? Yeah, you heard it right here. God can't do everything, God cannot stop loving you. Can't. Can't do it. He cannot stop loving you. The moment he stops loving you, guess what? He's not God anymore. God cannot stop loving you. And the Bible tells us that what he does with our sins, he tosses them at the depths of the sea and he remembers them no more. We get tempted. We're the ones that are carrying the baggage every time to the throne of grace. And we say, God, please forgive me again. And he's like, again? What do you mean? I don't remember anything. Because when you've asked for that forgiveness, guess what? Clean slate. It's in the past. It's gone. Your walk started with him right there, right then. You're, you're moving forward. God's looking to the, to, the, to the future, not the past. He says, I won't remember that again. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what he does with our sins? Moves on. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 18. Because in this story we read, it's an amazing story of God's grace and God's forgiveness. Here we have the story of Sodom, Gomorrah. As most of you know from being in church or, you know, just hearing it here and there. Sodom and Gomorrah had issues, to say the least. They had issues. Pretty wicked city. So bad that God was ready to pass judgment on these cities. And said, it's, it's too bad. I mean, it's gone way too far. And so he, he caused judgment and he's going to destroy the cities. All right. And Abraham comes to intercede on behalf of Sodom. And this isn't the only time this has happened in scripture. You will remember Moses interceding on behalf of the Israelites. 
you will remember um, um, Jesus on the cross interceding on behalf of us. And all through scripture, you read of these godly men and godly women interceding on behalf of people. And there is a tremendous lesson for us to learn in that sometimes, you know, we're a little too quick to judge. We're a little too quick to pass judgment. And, and you know, we say, he got what, what, what was coming to him. Well, good. He deserves it. Instead of saying, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Let me see what I can do to intercede. Let me see what I can do to help. And here we see Abraham interceding on behalf of Sodom. And and verse 23, it says, And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? I really enjoy when guys, um, when, when, when biblical figures try and have like an intellectual conversation with God, you know, like Job uh, did. And, and here he's, he's now making an intellectual argument with God. And so he says to God, hey, God, really, would you really destroy the righteous along with the wicked? Right? It's a, actually a pretty good thought, right? It's a pretty good argument. And so in verse 24 says, suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you. All right, listen to the train of thought here that Abraham's using. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked? Come on, Lord. He's, he's kind of giving this intellectual argument, right? And he says, far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Come on, surely the judge of all the earth will do the right thing. And so in verse 26, so the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Pretty quick response, Right? Can you imagine Abraham? Like, whoa. That's all it took? That, I remember working at Camp Calacqua during the summers. And uh, my second summer there, I had a, an opportunity to leave summer camp and work for more money. Which as a college student, very appealing, Right? registration fees, you have books, you know, I need to make as much money as I can, you know, um, before school starts. And so I thought to myself, but, but I really enjoyed working at Calaqua. And so I thought to myself, maybe they'll give me a, a small raise, you know. And so I went into the director's office and, and uh, Phil Yunts um, was the director then. I, I believe he's still there. Incredible man. A mentor to me in so many ways, and he doesn't even know it, but I, I just really admire him. And I, I went into his office and I said, Phil, I said, I said, listen, I said, uh, I really want to stay working here. Um, I, I really love working at Calacqua. And, you know, I felt pretty good about my work performance, you know, hard worker, always on time. And, you know, I, I wasn't embarrassed to go in there and ask for, for a raise, but, you know, it's always, you know, kind of a uh, little nerve wracking you know, and so I went in there and I, I said, Phil, I said, you know, um, I, I just, I really want to stay here, but I, I, you know, is there any way that you can give me a raise? And he says, well, he says, uh, how much of a raise do you want? I wasn't ready for that one. Right? I thought he was just going to say, you know, uh, you know, all right, let us think about it. 
We'll review it at the next uh, finance meeting and we'll let you know, right? That's what I thought was going to happen. But he said, well, how much of a raise do you think you want? And off the top of my head, I, I said, $200 a month? An extra $200 a month? He goes, done deal. Good. And he st- extends his hand out, shakes my hand, and he says, all right, great. We'll see you tomorrow at work. I said, all right, okay. So I walk out of the office. I'm like, man, that was easy. Like, man. And then I started thinking, I should have asked for more. What was I? I mean, if it was that easy. And then I was like, you know, I was caught in that, that, that moment where I was like, should I go back and ask for more? And I was like, I was like no, I mean, I, I agreed to that. How am I going to go back? You know, Abraham had more guts than I did. He had more guts than I did because in the very next verse, all right, it says here, so the Lord said in verse 26, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And then in verse 27, this is where Abraham shows his guts. He says, then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose that there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? I mean, come on, okay. You've given me 50. What if there was five less? What if, let's say there's only 45. So he said, if I find there 45, God said, I will not destroy it. Okay. He's getting, picking up a little speed here, right? He's kind of getting used to this, it seems like. Because here we have um, him going from, well, well, let's read on. In verse 29, and he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. And now verse 30. He's getting a little kind of, you know, he kind of knows he's, Walking in, in, in uh, uh, how should I say it, tender ground here, right? He's gone down in increments of five. He went from 50 to 45, now down to 40. Now what Abraham does next is absolutely amazing. I mean, this just shows how much, how much guts he really had. Because in verse 30 it says, then he said... Let not the Lord be angry, all right? Don't get upset, all right? Don't get mad at me. And I will speak, suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30. Wow. Wow. As long as you ask, God gives. The more you ask, the more God gives. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. As long as you ask, God will give. As long as you ask for forgiveness, God will forgive. 
Verse 32, then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak, but once more, suppose 10. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. The more you ask, the more God gives. I want you to notice this, this story comes to an end not because God stops giving, but because Abraham stopped asking. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Abraham was satisfied. Abraham was okay. <laughs> I just pulled the fast one on God. Man, I, I talked him down from 50 all the way down to 10. But what Abraham didn't realize here is that the more you ask, the more God gives. One of the things I want to ask God when I get to heaven is, God, how far would you have really gone? If, if Abraham had kept on asking, what if he had gone down to five? What if he got down to one? You know, it wouldn't surprise me if God said, you know what? If Abraham would have kept on asking, I would have kept on giving. Because that's just the God that we serve. That's just who he is. He delights in pardoning. He delights in mercy. Your sin will never be greater than the grace that is available to us. And as long as you keep on asking, God will keep on giving. That's just the God that we serve. We serve an awesome God. So to the question, can I have the assurance of salvation today? Absolutely yes. Unequivocally yes. Why? Because it doesn't matter. What you've done, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you're going. Well, it does matter where you're going. But, but what I'm saying is it doesn't matter because God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for us. And that is the beautiful thing of the gospel. That is the beautiful thing of the good news of Jesus Christ because when Jesus died on the cross... He paid a price so big. The price that he paid was so big that that price will cover any sin and all sins. All the sins in your life, all the sins in your family's life, all the sins in this auditorium, right in this sanctuary right now. His grace is sufficient because where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. So as you continue this journey with God, you just remember Desmond Doss. You just remember Abraham, that as long as you ask, God will give. Because he is ready to save. He is ready to forgive. Our Father in heaven, Lord, it is amazing. And for some of us, we may say, it's too good to be true. But as we read it, it is, it is evident from Genesis to Revelation that you are ready, you are able, and you are willing to forgive us of our sins. And God, sometimes it is self that holds us back 
Sometimes it is our self that says, no, it just can't be. It's not true. It's impossible. He won't accept me or I just have to get rid of before I come before you. I need to work out the sin in my life. And and all you say is I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Just let me in. Just, just let me pardon you. Let me forgive you. Let me bestow on you my blessings. God, don't let self hold back what you have in store for us. But give us the awareness day by day to understand that the more we ask of you, the more you will give. Because all of you is enough, more than enough for all of me. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederickSDAChurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 